Now, have you ever heard of the scripture in Romans 6 that says the wage of sin is death? Aren't you glad for the rest of that scripture? But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. But for a moment, go back with me and think about that. The wages of sin is death. There is a, a payday. If you sin, then there is, and of course, the economy of God and the justice of God, a consequence to that sin. And the sin, of course, produces death, spiritual death. It produces, you know, physical death as well. But separation from God is the worst thing of all. And how many glad that uh, you, you settled that? You're not going to be separated from God all the days of your life. You know, the only peace you're ever going to really have on this earth is walking in the presence of God. Everything else is fleeting. Everything else is based on circumstances. But the peace of God is based on a person. And that presence in your life and in my life. So the wage of sin is, is death. It's physical, but it's also spiritual separation from God. And uh, that tells us that there is, a, there is a price to pay for sin. Now, how many believe if you blow it that you should confess it and repent of it? And I believe that God is well able to turn that around even if you sin. But watch this. I want you to see this. The reason uh, we should never stop talking about the blood and we should never stop talking about the impact of sin is just because you're saved. If you're saved and you go ahead and sin, there's still going to be some breakage in your life. In fact, sin has broken everything in this world. Everything. And its ability to break doesn't stop just because you're saved. Unfortunately, there are some people who, who break things faster than God can fix them. Look at somebody and say, I resemble that comment in my past. Yes, amen. Say, it's not me today. Sin breaks everything, including people. That's why the world is broken. It's not politics. It's not wars. It's not even religion. It is more detailed than that, specifically than that, it is sin. It's sin that breaks bodies. It's sin that, of course, breaks relationships. It is sin that breaks finances. It is sin that breaks governments and institutions and nations. It is sin. Say that with me. Everything is broken in this world because of sin. Peter put it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. In other words, um, have you ever heard of a war where something wasn't damaged? Have you all seen some pictures coming out of Ukraine or coming out of you know, the nation of Israel and the war that's going on there? You see buildings that are bombed out. You see destruction. It's the same thing with you, your mind, your will, your emotions. Everybody say, my soul. My soul. It's impossible for you to sin and not do damage. Everybody say brain damage. Now some of y'all are having a revelation right now. Why some of the people around you are so goofy? Because they have brain damage. They have damage in their mental abilities. They have damage in their soul. They have damage in their emotions. Why are people still led by the nose even after all God has done for them in their emotions? Why are they still emotion ruled? Because there's damage there. You have people that will tell you that somehow it's sacrilegious to say that God can heal your emotions. No, if God made any part of you, He can heal any part of you. No matter how damaged you are right now, He's able to restore and to heal. But know that sin damages 
It damages the mind, it damages the emotions, and it damages the will. Sometimes I just, uh, I'm just flabbergasted over the decisions that I see people make. I say, how could they do that? Well, it wasn't the decision that's the real problem. It was the breakage from sin that's the problem, and the bad or the poor decision is the result of the consequence of the damage to their will. You and I can't afford to be damaged, amen. Not too much to do. Say it with me. Damage comes to the mind and the will and the emotions when people sin. And so if you sit there and think, well, I'm a Christian now, so, you know, I'm, I'm born again, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, that's great. But you still need to do what the Word says. And when you sin, you do have an advocate. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of what? All unrighteousness. But if you continue in something, you're doing damage. Everything in this world is damaged by sin and it continues. You know what? Uh, Jesus can't come fast enough. Anybody say it? Say, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> say it again. Say, come Lord Jesus. How I many you want to really see him come and come quickly? This world's nuts. You know, if you're carnal, you'll think it's because of uh, certain policies or politics or politicians or world leaders or, you know, or tech people or money people or banking people. It's called sin, folks. Sin is what has broken this world. And there's only one fix for it. It's the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's the bad news. <laughs> the good news is that grace fixes everything. Good news is grace is more powerful than sin's ability to break. In Romans 5.20, the word says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. It tells you that, yes, sin breaks, but grace fixes. I want you to shout that out. Sin breaks, grace fixes. Come on, say it. Sin breaks, but grace fixes. Hallelujah. Now, when we say abound, we mean to continuously increase and excel all around, to continually increase. When sin abounded, grace did what? Grace increased all the more, abounded all the more to deal with it. Every generation thinks that, uh, you know, their particular generation is the worst one they ever live. But in reality, they're all wicked, they're all evil. Amen. It's very important to understand this, that, uh, you know, sin is not going to stop abounding. Amen. But the grace of God is available, isn't it? Through, of course, what he did and through those he's given this message, if somebody applies that grace and they're going to be fixing in their life, grace is the great fix. Say that grace, grace. is the great fix. It is, in fact, the neutralizer of sin and the results of sin. Thank you, my Father. Everybody say, thank God for the grace of God. No matter how many times you read the Bible or attended church or gave or served, no matter what you did, um, you have no power to stop the force of sin through religion. It's not going to happen. Amen. There's only one person who ever lived a sin in this life. Aren't you glad you know him? Yes. I said, aren't you glad you know him tonight? What's his name? Jesus. 
His name is Jesus. What's amazing is we sin and we break things and then He gives us the free gift of grace to fix them. I'm so glad the fix is in. Say that would be the fix. Is in. is in. Now, the the problem is until somebody crosses that threshold, repents of their sin, and makes Jesus the Lord of their life, they can't tap into this. So all the self-help's never going to work. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The truth is there's nothing common to the experience of man that God's amazing grace cannot fix. No, I'm really, really bad. God can't fix this. So I'm really, really in a terrible place. God can't fix this. It doesn't get so bad that God's grace can't overcome it. Amen. And if you believe that somehow you have the exception in your life and you're listening to the wrong things, you're deviating from your attention and your focus on the Word of God and you're listening to religion and you're listening to people's experiences and emotions instead of the Word of God. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's not over. Come on, say it. It's not over. The fix is in. And it's the grace of God. Uh, the grace of God is the supernatural favor of God bestowed to His people on the basis of the blood that was shed for you and for me. It's supernatural. Amen. Let me say it again. The grace of God is supernatural. The things we talk about are not just laying there dormant little religious platitudes and ideas like grace and like mercy and love. These are forces. In other words, they do something. The grace of God does something. It's not just a platitude, oh, praise God, amazing grace. No, it's amazing because it does something. It's a force of the born-again spirit for you and for me. And there's nothing so broken by sin that God's grace cannot fix it. Amen. Now, I want you to turn with me over to Psalm 103 just as an illustration of this. Because oftentimes we think about grace as only dealing with sin. But aren't you glad it does? When you found it, say, I've got it. Psalm 103. Praise or bless the Lord, O my soul, and all His inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. How many are glad that there are benefits to being a believer? <laughs> you know, religion downplays that. Oh, you preach a man-centered gospel. Uh-huh. Because that's what the gospel is. It's good news to all people. It's not good news to dogs. Good news to angels. It's not good news to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. It's good news to whom? To people. To say we preach a man-centered gospel is the dumbest thing you could possibly say. Because if it's not man-centered, then there's no point. God was not in need of grace or forgiveness. But we are. Does that make sense? And there are benefits to being a child of God. Let me just exhort you. Don't let somebody talk you out of it. Don't let somebody discourage your faith. Don't let somebody tell you you can't have what the Bible says you can have. When you make that confession over the Word of God, say, I can have what the Bible says I can have. There are benefits. How many of y'all are employed somewhere? Raise your hand if you have benefits. Are those benefits in the earth? They're part of your contract? Well, they showed up tomorrow and said you can't have those anymore. 
You're not going to be happy? You're just going to take it. How many raise your hand and say, I'm not taking it anymore? <laughs> you, you can have your wage, but we're taking away your insurance and your 401k. We're doing away with all the, your vacation. Everything's done away with. Your benefits are gone. How many go home happy? How do you go home spitting mad? Now, how much more should you be upset some man trying to talk you out of the heavenly benefits God has given you for this planet? You don't need healing in heaven. And here's the kicker. You don't need forgiveness in heaven. If you get upset about somebody, you know, taking away your vacation or taking away your 401k, and rightfully so, how much more should you be upset about somebody trying to talk you out of the benefits that the blood of Jesus Christ purchased for you and for me? Well, bless God, you know what? The union got us these benefits and they're not taken away. Jesus got you these benefits. Don't you dare let somebody take them away from you. Say it with me, they're benefits. Say it, they're benefits. I mean, you go to war, somebody did that to you on the job. Then the church, well, I guess the Lord taketh, you know, the Lord taketh away. No stupidity taketh away. And weak Christians taketh away. You should stand for what's yours. Amen. What's my point here? Grace certainly deals with and stops sin, but grace also deals with the effects of sin and the curse. Are you here today? Not just the sin, but what sin did. And you hit a baseball and you knock her through somebody's windshield, or as I did twice on, on a pitchback, two of my dad's windows in one day. Um, <laughs> there's, the, there's the cause of the baseball, right? And who threw it or hit it? And there's the breakage. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine to stop throwing the baseball through the window, but don't you want to fix the breakage? Mm-hmm. I actually did that. Front yard, eight years old, pitch back. I learned the lesson that when you throw a really bad ball at a pitch back, it goes cockeyed. And it went straight for the plate glass window, 211 Western Air Drive, Marion, Illinois. And it hit, and I thought, oh my goodness, he's going to kill me. And it, nothing happened. And I was so relieved. And so I walked up to make sure it wasn't cracked. And as I walked towards the window, the entire plate fell out on the porch. It had not been secured by the little, you know, the little tabs there. It was actually his fault because when he painted it, he didn't put the tabs back. But I got the blame for it. And he said, move to the side of the house, which was completely bricked, except for one two-by-two window in the bathroom. So I set the pitch back up. And where before I had thrown the pitch and went over this way, this one I threw it this way, and it went up and high and hit right into that window in the bathroom. Two in one day. I'm pretty sure he would say, uh, it's great that you stopped throwing balls through the windshield, but I want them, the window I want to fix, though. And that's what grace does. It's not just dealing with the sin issue. It deals with the breakage. Yes. Come on, shout it out. God's grace deals with the sin, but also deals with the breakage. How many are glad he deals with the sin? 
But how many also glad he deals with what sin did to us? Yes. And it's terrible what sin did. Let me help you out here. Uh, when God, you know, puts some kind of limitation on us in terms of behavior or speech or whatever it is, you may think, well, that's just, you know, uh, the church kind of shares those things, whether well, a holiness church or they're clothesline preachers, you know, trying to tell you what not to do. If the Word says it, and it's very clear, and if the Spirit of God has convicted you about something, maybe He's not dealing with anybody else, but He's dealing with you, there's a reason for that, and it's not just to say no. Listen very carefully tonight and be delivered, be healed. He's telling you no because it's doing some damage to you, whether you're aware of it or not. It is doing some damage to your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your relationships. It's affecting your finances. It's affecting your job. It's affecting your creativity. It's affecting your motivation. There are some things you can do that will kill your spiritual energy and momentum, and you don't even realize what's going on. And the Holy Ghost is telling you to stop it, and you just hear, always oh, saying no to me. He, you know, parents may do this, right? We're natural parents. But God doesn't do that. I can tell you this, if he says no, it's doing damage to you. He's not a killjoy. He's a protector. And we see sin the wrong way. There's a reason why he doesn't want you doing that, because it's going to cause breakage. And how many have found out that some things cause more breakage than others? Some are just like a wave that's caused. You have a great earthquake, you know, over there. You know, in, uh, in the area of Thailand and India, what happens? You have this tsunami come up. The tsunami is not the earthquake, but the tsunami is what? A result of the earthquake. There's the sin. That's the earthquake. The damage is what happened. And it was catastrophic. Even to this day, there's some parts of the world that have not recovered from that. That's the way it is with you and me. Thank God for the grace of God. God's grace deals with the earthquakes in our life but also deals with the tsunamis in our life. Turn to somebody and tell them, thank God. So look, when he tells you no about something, oh gee, I just, God's restricted me, God's convicted me. Or if he's repeatedly dealing with you about something, listen to what I'm saying. Is there anybody here where God has ever had to deal with you repeatedly before you stop something? Beep, 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 beep. How about over here on this side? Has God ever dealt with you repeatedly about something? Well, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> possible, maybe, likely. <laughs> How many can agree that we've all been there, yeah. right? What was he doing? Well, it's just about religion. He's just trying to, you know, just trying to craft you, make you perfect. Yes, he's always sanctifying us. He's always operating in a mood to move us towards glorification. We studied it all last year about transformation. That's all true. But he sees what you and I don't see. He sees a tsunami coming if we don't stop it. And to explain to us, not just don't or stop, but explain to us that when we do, it does damage. And what we want to do is start working not on the damage part, but start working on the grace, amen, fixing part. I'm glad for that. And that's where scriptures like this come into play. So does he deal with the sin? Yes. yes. Will he forgive you? Yes. yes. Will he restore you? Yes. yes. But he also deals with the tsunamis that you caused because of the cracks in your moral foundation or because of your poor decision-making or whatever the case may be. Um, how many can remember a time when you blew it big time? 
Can you, can you tell me tonight the grace of God did show up for you? Aren't you glad for that? You're not in a, in a church of perfect people. You don't have perfect leadership. You don't have a perfect board. There's no one perfect here. We all have that in common that we have absolutely gone across a line and there are consequences from it. But a wise person eventually, you know, wises up and says, you know, if I do certain things, if I engage in certain things, it's going to cause damage. And the damage may be worse than what I bargained for. We wise up. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, let's let the Lord catch up to us. Amen. Let's stop breaking things so fast as grace has to catch up to us. Amen. Amen. So I'm glad there are benefits. Turn to somebody and smile and say, don't let anybody talk you out of your benefits. And this actually, you know, Hebrew is, is a very accurate word, uh, you know, in the English for it. Benefits. There are benefits to being a child of God. But these are for the child of God. Uh, if someone does get some kind of impact from God, it's, it's the sheer mercy of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But uh, notice what it says here. He forgives all. How many? Religious people say only certain ones. But Scripture says he forgives all sins. How many have been to school and you know what A-double-L spells? Part or all? <laughs> no, all of them. He forgives all your sins and heals all all, how many? All. all your diseases. Yeah. If Bosworth said it so plain, faith begins where the will of God is known, and you need to know what the will of God is pertaining to healing, because if you aren't sure what the will of God is, you cannot have faith towards that particular thing. Now, God and His Word are one, and where is His will? Where is His Word revealed? Of course, His will is revealed by what He says in His Word. There is no disease that has ever been that God cannot and will not heal. The ones that are unknown yet, there's no such thing as a disease that God cannot or will not heal. Every disease. Anybody here ever been healed by God? Yes. That's part of the children's bread. He redeems your life from the pit. Speaking of, you know, things that are, are controlling, locking you up, chaining you, and crowns you with love and compassion. This speaks of covenant hesed, where God's compassion and love comes on you to bring you to a position of, of restoration. And He satisfies your youth with good things. Say good things. Good thing. So that your youth is renewed like the, like the eagle. He knows what to put in your mouth, natural and spiritual, so that you are renewed. And can I say this to you? This is the day where you've got to be extra careful about what you put spiritually in your mouth. The poison that's out there is working faster than ever, killing faster than ever. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, don't put it in your mouth. Don't put it before your eyes. Don't listen to it. Does that make sense? Just somebody, because somebody has a mouth doesn't mean you should be listening to them. Just because they have a blog doesn't mean you should read it. Just because they have a YouTube channel doesn't mean you should watch it. Just because they have a Facebook post doesn't mean you should read it. Let me help you. If you don't want to unfriend people on Facebook, like they're really your friends in the first place, just unfollow them. Then you don't have to read their nonsense anymore. Right. 
there are some people that need to be what? Unfollowed literally. Be careful here. And so he wants to fill your mouth with what? With good things. So that your youth is what? Renewed. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. He even tells us, don't forget your benefits. Don't forget your benefits. On the job, have you ever forgotten your benefits? Some of y'all check your 401k like it's going us out. Amen. And you count your vacation days to the minute. <laughs> Bless God, if it's yours, you're going to take it. When it comes to spiritual benefits, ah, whatever. No, you need to forget not all his benefits. Don't forget what he has promised you. Amen. Write this down, first of all. Grace deals with sin. It brings forgiveness that deals with the consequences, the control, and the consciousness of sin. Grace deals with sin. How many sins? All of them. Say that it would be the consciousness, the control, the consequences. Aren't you glad you're not going to hell tonight? Aren't you glad you're never going to hell? <laughs> you don't want to visit hell. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, your life may be challenging on this planet, but this is not hell. My, um, my mom, um, one day, her sister, when she was about 14 years old, her sister came home from, from church and the priest said to her, where's, where's your sister at? Well, so she's, she's not coming. About that time, I guess she was trying, she's actually older because she was transitioning over to the Lutheran church with, with my dad's family. And um, she said, well, she's not, she's not coming anymore. You go home and you tell your sisters, I said, she's going to hell. That's the wrong thing to say to my mom at any age of her life. You think she was just spunky on the back end of life? You have no idea. <laughs> Rita Henley calls her her spunky friend. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Ruth? It's that St. Louis sass is what that is. Don't get on the wrong side of a St. Louisan. Don't do it. <laughs> Especially St. Louis Cardinal fan. Isn't that right, Charlie? <laughs> so my mom looked at her sister and said, you go back and tell that priest, I'll meet him there. <laughs> I'm glad you're not going there. But watch this. The grace of God allows you to be delivered from the consequences. Amen eternal, and can God deliver you from consequences in the natural as well? Now watch this. You've got to be careful saying that God will deliver you from the consequences eternally, but you're going to have to pay back everything in the natural. If God can deal with the consequences, which is the harder part for eternity, He can deal with consequences in the natural. There is a, there is a murderer in the uh, Texas system, and uh, he had an encounter with the Lord actually in the jail, and, and the Lord actually told him, this is a guy in there with, with life with no possibility of parole whatsoever, one of the worst prisons in the country, and said, you're not getting out. This is what the judge said. The Lord appeared to him and said, now I'm going to call you into the ministry, and I'm going to arrange for you to be released. And it was harder for him to believe that than that the Lord would forgive him. He gets hauled before the judge, you know, sometime later, and the judge is looking over the file, and he looks at Ken Monrovia, and he said, you know what? 
uh, this is not your M.O. I am dismissing everything against you. Wow. Don't say that God cannot do it. Say, God can. God can. Shout it out. God can. God can. We got to be careful telling people, well, you're just going to have to pay for everything you've done. Is there anybody here who wants to pay for everything you've done, even in this life? I understand where they're coming from. And yes, you got to be careful because you, ha you have no idea. You, you assume the people you're dealing with will be merciful and Christian. You don't necessarily have that option sometimes. But he deals with the consequences. Amen. He deals with the control. If you'll start applying the grace of God, you will defeat the unction, the, the pressure, the pushing to, to do something, to say something, to get involved with some sin that you have no business being involved in. It's not just, you know, the consequences, but you can be set free from the control. If something's controlling you even tonight, the grace of God has the power to set you free. We are not talking about religious platitudes. We are talking about the power of God to set you free. And that power is not diminished. Say, he sets me free from the consequences, but also the control. But you don't want to, the biggest blessings about the grace of God, what it does with sin, is it diminishes the consciousness of that sin. I don't know what some of y'all have done, but some of y'all were rascals before you got saved. I do know that. <laughs> and uh, it's possible that any measure of sin could be in this building at any given time. We don't know everybody's history. Raise your hand if you did something before crisis you're very ashamed of. You know it was wrong and you know you're not proud of it. But yeah. Well, here's the thing. Without grace, you would be as conscious of that failure right now and is burdened by that failure right now as you were the day you did it. But the grace of God has a supernatural ability to diminish that consciousness over time if you allow Him to move it. And one day you're going to hit eternity and there'll be no more consciousness of that sin. It's not natural. I'm not talking about forgetting things and making yourself pretend you didn't do it. We're not talking about denial here. We're talking about loss of consciousness because of the grace of God. When you're in the world, you don't have that ability. You have to live with that until you sear your conscience. But even then, why do people when they have a seared conscience continue to try to medicate themselves? Because somewhere rolling around the back of it all, they still know they're as guilty as can be and there's no remedy for them in a bottle. How many have found that out? There's no remedy in some kind of a medical cabinet. There's no remedy outside of the grace of God. Glory to God. Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. We're obviously talking in the Scripture about what we do here on earth as we live on this earth, that you should obey in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace." If you're under the law, you have no power to stop sinning. If you're under grace, you do. Well, I just couldn't help it. Wrong. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you have the power to say no. In fact, that's what Paul told Titus. 
that grace teaches us to say no. Now, if we didn't have that, that'd be one thing. But we do. Um, anybody here sin after you became a Christian? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Going to have an altar call right now. Raise your hand if you sinned after you got saved. Bunch of heathens, I'm telling you what. <laughs> you know, I won't even ask you if you sinned before you came here. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> just put that down. Amen. But let's say that, uh, that you did sin last week, last month. How about we just give each other a break and say last year. That was last year sometime. <laughs> Why did you do that? Couldn't help it. I was tempted. Had to do it. Had no authority over it. No, you did that because you wanted to. You chose to. Righteousness will always push you in the direction of consistency with God's Word. Before you became a Christian, sin had that power over you. But now grace takes that away, and you basically chose to sin. You wanted to sin, and so you did it. What does that tell you? Oh, that's not a point for condemnation tonight. That's a point to tell you that because you can choose to sin or not to sin, from this point on, you can choose not to sin. There should be more than a holy grunt in this church tonight over that principle. <laughs> if in the past you sin because you chose to, then in the future you can choose not to. And so much as lies with you, with your present level of revelation, not being convicted about something He hasn't revealed to you yet, and how I many know there are things yet to come? You can say no. Because of what? Because of what Paul said, because of the grace of God. It teaches us to say, it teaches us to say, how do we know there is being taught and then when we catch it? Yeah. You all remember when you are memorizing your multiplication tables? There's a time when you were told to memorize them and then when you got it. The grace of God teaches us to what? Say no. It's time for us to get the lesson. It teaches us to what? No. That we have to say no. That's the power of grace and how it deals with sin. Say that we thank God. The grace of God deals with sin. Its consequences. Its consequences. Say it one more time. Its consequences. Its control. And its consciousness. I don't know how much it's worth to you, but... Uh, Going to bed at night with a clear conscience? How much is that worth? There is no pill. There's no drug. You can't smoke enough dope to go to bed without a clean conscience. I mean, for something like that, it can't possibly clean your conscience. But guess what the grace of God does? How many are going home tonight with a clean conscience? A couple of hours late, you could still sin. But for the most part, amen. <laughs> Look, if somebody said, I'm going home <laughs> with a clean conscience. Somehow I get put out with the preacher to have to deal with that before you go to bed. Not this crowd. This is the Overcomers Club. Amen. That's the Sunday morning bunch. 
And they say things like, oh, you really stepped on my toes. I didn't step on your toes at all. I didn't write the scripture. So I didn't step on your toes at all. And I don't have the power to go in your heart and convict you. I don't have that power. So you're mistaking me with the Holy Ghost. You mean to tell me the Holy Ghost will step on people's feet? Are you kidding me? Their heads if he has to. Not just their toes. But don't mistake, you know, the Word of God and its standard and the Spirit of God appropriating it to you as the work of man. If you attribute it to the work of man, listen carefully, then you can just dismiss it. Yes. But if it's, in fact, the Scripture and the Holy Spirit who is actually tripping over your toes, amen, then guess what? You can't just dismiss it. That's one of the benefits of being in a Spirit-filled church. We're not going to duct tape the Holy Spirit and throw him in the back room no. or ban him altogether. No. How many of you say, have free reign, Holy Ghost? Yes. Just do what you want to do in me, yes. through me, talk to yes. me, convict me, encourage yes. me, confirm whatever it is. Yes, let him do the work he wants to do in your heart. Because right? he's not trying to do something bad on, you know, in your life. He's trying to bring you to the next level. Something good is happening. Number two, grace deals with disease. Grace brings healing, all manner of disease, all manner of sickness, known and unknown. It said in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, For I will restore health to you, and I will heal your wounds, says the Lord, because they have called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no one seeks after, for whom no one cares. In other words, you people of Zion are outcasts and nobody cares about you. Nobody knows you're there. Nobody's going to attend to your needs. Nobody's going to attend to what's going on in your life. Can I tell you something? God knows exactly who are His. And healing is the children's bread. Come on, shout it out. Healing is the children's bread. It's benefit. And don't you ever get to the place where you just accept something in your body that doesn't belong there. Don't do it. You resist and you believe and you stand. What if it takes me a while? It doesn't make any difference how much the time it takes. You stand. Woman was bent over with arthritic condition and back conditions for 18 years. Did that stop Jesus from healing her? No. No, the woman with the issue of blood did what? Suffered for years and spent everything she had. Did she get better? No, she got worse until she ran into the Lord. Amen? Don't stop believing or appropriating that. I wanted to point something out to you that uh, you're a child of God. That means something. And maybe you don't realize tonight, but you are a child of Zion. When they attack your brothers and sisters in Israel, they're attacking you. You were engrafted in. You're just as much a part of the family as anybody else. Terms of God's adoption are not revocable. Amen. You're one of His. And if you're one of His, then the benefits are yours. Not just grace dealing with sin, but grace dealing with sickness. So wonderful uh, two weeks that uh, George and Terry Pearsons are doing on the Believer's Voice of Victory on healing. you got a battle going on in your body of any kind, something going on in your mind, Get on there and watch those things. They even allow folks to download their notes. Uh, you can download the material. There's a healing package they're sending out. Fight this thing. Don't be just cavalier about it. Fight. Resist the devil. And he'll what? Flee from you. He heals what? All 
your diseases. Say it all. Say it again. Say all your diseases. And because of the way that George Pearsons does things, you know, I have a lot in common in terms of, of you know, methodology, you know, just point upon point upon point. He does a terrific job um, with those materials. And you're not going to hear him say, it's not God's will to heal you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Um, this is one of the most powerful covenant scriptures that you'll find anywhere in the Word of God. It tells you what your covenant benefits are if you are a child of God. Say it, I am one of His. And since you're one of His, you have a God that will deal with the sin because of His grace, and He'll deal with the sickness because of the grace of God. Turn to somebody and say, you're not done. It's not time for you to pack it in. You know, we are, we are about to be busier as the people of God than we've ever been before in our entire existence. There are more needs out there, more people that are going to be looking for the right answers, and they're going to have it. I see it clear in the Spirit. You're a bunch of walking, amen, bunch of walking, talking sources and fountains of the power of God. Amen. And when somebody makes a draw, you're going to let it flow in Jesus' name. Yes. But you've got to be convinced. You can't have a debate every time there's a sickness or disease, whether it's, you know, did God do that? Did the devil do that? Never attribute to God what the devil did, ever. Amen. He steals, he, he kills, he destroys. God came, you might have life and have life to the full till it overflows. How God, what? Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, not the Father. You've got to be convinced. He heals what? All your diseases. Well, I want you to see this in, in Psalm 87. Years ago, anybody ever remember a contemporary Christian artist named Wayne Watson? Yep. Raise your hand if you know who I'm talking about. A few of you do because you've been around a while. What I just said means you're old, dur. Yes, you're getting old. <laughs> And uh, he wrote a song based on this psalm, and I didn't fool the, I was you know, really kind of a baby uh, in the Lord, so some of the things that I was exposed to, and I mean, that's just the way it is. We don't always grab at the time. But I want you to walk out here tonight with this deep in your spirit. Say, look, I'm a child of God. He says in verse 1, He has set His foundation on the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things were said of you, O city of God. I will record Rahab and Babylon among those who acknowledge me. How many know if Rahab can make it, then you can too? Philistia too, and Tyre, along with Cush. And will say, this one was born in Zion. Now how many know that these people and these peoples were not physically born in Zion. Indeed, of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her, and the Most High Himself will establish her. El Elyon, the Lord will write in the register of the peoples, this one was born in Zion. As they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. Now, how many know that uh, uh, your birthright carries privileges with it? You are citizens of Zion. 
In the eyes of the Lord, you were born in Zion. And you have every benefit associated with that. You should be excited about what your real homeland is. No, I'm just, you know, just the sloppy leftovers. I'm part of the Gentiles who believe God. We're just slap-ons, tack-ons. That's not how this works. Everybody who ever got saved got saved by faith. That was the revelation God gave to Abraham. Abraham, the revelation of justification by faith, 400 years before the law came, the law was never going to save anybody but point out where the law was broken so people would turn to him in faith eventually turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham believed in what was coming from the backside. You and I believe in what? The second coming because we know him on this side of things. And being born into the right family is everything. Oh, if I could have just been born in Rockefeller's family. Or I could have been born in J. Paul Getty's family or been born in Zuckerberg's family. No, you don't want to be born in his family. No, we don't. And you get impressed by all these people and think, oh, they were just born with all these advantages. And here you were, born in Zion. Yes. Adopted into the family of God. Hallelujah. With every benefit. Including the fact that he is a healer and a restorer. It reminds me so much of Mephibosheth after David finally brings him to the table and God gets him out of Lodabar, a place where there's no pasture, there's no fruit, there's no victory, there's no peace, there's no joy, everything is barren, everything is destitute, brings him to the table of the Lord. David tells Eva, you know what, you're going to farm his land and give him the proceeds. All the lands and the fortunes and the money of his grandfather Saul are going to be restored to him. And you would think that Mephibosheth would be jumping up and down for joy, hobbling around on that one leg. But what does he say? What do you want with a dog like me? It's about time for everyone in here to lose that dog mentality. Say it, I too too was born born in Zion. Zion. How? By the new birth, people. You're born again. This is not your nation. This is not your home. This is not your destination. You are part of that nation whose God is the Lord and the King with every benefit. And if you think it's impressive what David did for Mephibosheth, just give God a chance to have, you know, your faith work for you and believe that the grace of God will do it for you. Mephibosheth did nothing to earn that. David had to go have somebody pick him up, find him and pick him up, bring him back. Had to physically put him into a position to receive that. That's the grace of God working in your life. Come on, say it. I too am a child of Zion. Are you a Zionist? You better believe I'm a Zionist. Amen. With all of my heart, I'm a Zionist. Those are my people. Amen. And if some of our people had done their job a few thousand years ago, moving right along, (laughs) amen, you're part of his family. What family? The am family. He is I am. That means you am saved. You am healed. You am blessed. 
You am prospered, hallelujah. You am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Hallelujah. Now, when you start to really believe you're his heir, you act differently. Somewhere along the line, you got to lose the slave mentality and remember who you are. You're a son. Amen. Prodigal came back and he said, well, I just want to be treated like one of my father's servants. And you know what the father was saying? I got enough servants. What I need is a son. Amen. So what are we? We're sons and daughters by birth and we're servants by choice. Amen. Say all my diseases, all sicknesses, all kinds, body, soul, and spirit, the grace of God provides restoration for me. Glory to God. Amen. And what does God see when He looks at you? The same thing as the Scripture says, this one is mine. Barbara is mine, the Lord says. Amen. Michael is mine. This one was born in Zion. Amen. All your diseases, all your sicknesses, all your sins, the grace of God. Sin breaks everything. Grace fixes everything. Do you believe that tonight? Yes. Hallelujah. Well, guess what? We're going back next week and talk more about this. In the meantime, you're going to meditate on what it means to be born through the new birth. Amen. Into the congregation of the people of God. Glory to God. Just do a study sometime of all the things God has done for His people and say, those are my people. Amen. And if Rahab can be born in Zion, <laughs> look at somebody smile and says, there is hope for you. Yes, if Rahab could make it. <laughs> Rahab wasn't just a prostitute. Rahab ran the most successful brothel anywhere in that region. She was the madam. And with a decision to align herself with the people of God, She's not just mentioned in, in that scripture. She's mentioned in other parts of the Bible as well. She's mentioned in the lineage of your Lord and Savior. Does that make sense? Say it with me. I'm God's. He says of me, this one is mine. Hallelujah. Can you receive that tonight? Come on, give him a hand clap and just thank him tonight. The Lord loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. Thanks be to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, bless Him right now with your voice. Lift your voice up and praise Him. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His grace. It saves, it heals, it delivers. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We worship you tonight, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to apply this to your life tonight. If sin damages, stop it. <laughs> and appropriate what the Word says about His grace. To bring restoration into your life. Amen. When he says stop something, he's not a killjoy. He's trying to protect you from further breakage. I, uh, I noticed that my dad didn't tell me to go behind the house after I broke two windows. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that I'd have found a way. <laughs> Work the whole house. Amen. Bless God. 
No. Not with that. <laughs> Glory to God. So I want to pray over today and your heads bowed and your eyes are closed for a moment.